Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum. Chapter 3. The Letters from No One Welcome to another episode. I'm Alex. I'm Molly. And, and this, this is Potter Watch. Watch. Today we will be doing both chapters 3 and 4. And our password from last week was the name of the hotel that Harry stayed at, which was the Railview Hotel. So I hope you all got that. Otherwise, I'm sure you wouldn't be able to listen to yeah, this week. The podcast is retroactively <laughs> stopping. If you didn't, better luck next time. All right. So what were your initial thoughts on... Let's just look at chapter three first. And then we'll go... Yeah, we'll do a, a little pause and then we'll go into chapter four. Sure. Cool. Um... Chapter three is probably one of the funniest. Yeah, chapters. it's a really good chapter in this book. And I think the movie does a really great job with this chapter. Yeah, it's done in a lot of montage. It has like a montage feel, like of all the antics with the yes, letters and which I'm, I love. And there even is the deleted scene of the egg cracking and him getting oh, right. the letters in the eggs, which I think it goes to show that the first movie does such a good job at, like, Follows staying the book, the, yeah. close to the book. But we're not talking about the movie. Right. Um, My bad. <laughs> uh, but no post on Sundays. No post on Sunday. Ha! <laughs> 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 All right. So, what do you want to talk about first? Okay, my first note is about Harry's sassiness. Same. Which I think... We should all appreciate at all times of the day. May I play a quote for you? Please do. They stuffed people's heads down the toilet the first day at Stonewall, he told Harry. Want to come upstairs and practice? No thanks, said Harry. The poor toilet's never had anything as horrible as your head down it. It might be sick. And then he ran before Dudley could work out what he'd said. I just think... Harry is so funny and so sassy. Like, he knows Dudley beats him all the time, but I love how he gets his kicks. He's like, I don't care if he, like, kills me. I will get in my last sassy comment. And that continues through the rest of this chapter. He and just, the series, like, really. He's just so sassy. Like, okay. And he knows that Dudley's too dumb to, like, figure it out. Like, really. But he even, like, he gets bold later. Like, when he starts being sassy to Snape, I'm just like, oh, yeah. Harry, like. I'm, like, scared for him. <laughs> get your shit together. You might die. Gryffindor, man. I he's love a Gryffindor. It. I love it. So the other one that I thought was really funny was just them describing the smeltings, like whole uniform. Yes, that's and my him second note. Cracking up. First of all, what school uniform comes with a stick? The smelting. It builds character, Alex. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> everyone knows that. Like, and a little hat. Like, please take me to this school. First of all, it seems like a hazard. How are you carrying your books around with one stick with a stick in your hand? I. So I had a question about smeltings. Is it a boarding school, do you think? It says private. I, I don't think sure. it's a boarding school. I feel like the Dursleys wouldn't want to send Duddykins away. I don't think it is a boarding school. And I was also just wondering on that note, what do the Dursleys do without Harry to like harass slash abuse? Like when they're just there during the school year and he goes to Hogwarts. 
Like, they just must have such a boring life. Like, they probably don't talk to each other because don't ask questions. I feel like, in my in my head, the Dursleys, like, really love each other, though. So That's I feel true. like they have a very good relationship. I do think that, especially Vernon, like, loves his family very yeah. much. And is always, like, protecting Petunia or protecting Dudley. Yes. Which, if he wasn't such a complete asshole, it would be, like, sweet. But he's such a horrible person, uh, to Harry especially, that it's not sweet enough. It's really not. My next note comes up on page 36, if you're following along. Um, so, this is when we get the address to the letter, and it says, Cupboard Under the Stairs. And I would just like to harken back to episode two, in which we were like, Dumbledore's not checking up, but clearly he knows Harry lives in that room under the stairs. So, so why? So true. Why? Like, it had to, it took one letter for them to move him into the next room. One letter for them to make that <laughs> That difference. they didn't, well, they read, but it had nothing to do with that. Yeah. They were just like, oh, they know that we're abusing him. Let's move him into a room that's not so abusy. Dumbledore, you just had to say one word. You just had to knock on the door. Ugh. I also th- always, when I'm thinking about the cupboard, I always think he's there much longer than he is. But it's really only two chapters. I mean, obviously he's been there for ten years. But for us as the reader, I always think of it being like the whole first book, which doesn't make any sense. But it's yeah. only two chapters. It is only two chapters. And thank God, because it's horrifying. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not like, ugh, it's Can you only imagine like two. a three-year-old locked in that cupboard with all those spiders? Oh it's so sad. I sometimes think about... How did they treat him when he was, like, a baby? Did they, you know, pick him up and stuff? Like, I just think about Petunia taking care of Harry as a baby, and I it, like, makes me really upset, and I try not to think about it too much. But on Petunia, I thought that this was interesting when they're talking about the letter, and she has experience with such letter writing and with wizards. Of course. But what should we do, Vernon? Should we write back? Tell them we don't want... Harry could see Uncle Vernon's shiny black shoes pacing up and down the kitchen. No, he said finally. No, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yet that's best. We won't do anything. But... I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him in we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense? Like, she's done this before. She knows that she can get a hold of them by writing to them. Vernon is just... But I also love Vernon in this chapter because he takes charge. Like, he's such an interesting character. He's like, oh, no, we're not going to argue with lunatics. We're going to do this. I'm going to sleep on the floor by the... And it's so funny that he is so passionately anti-wizard because it's Petunia that has the real reason to be. Yeah, that's true. And honestly, if someone was, like, harassing you with letters, like, you would, like, be really scared and, like, either, like, fight or flight. And he's kind of doing both. And he's fighting and, and- fleeing. <laughs> but, I mean, I if it was really a crazy person, like, I think he's doing the right thing. But we're on the side of the wizards. <laughs> well, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he's like, oh, no, we do not communicate with them. Like, Yeah, he... we don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> and it's, it's like you said in, and I have this in my notes later when we start getting more in depth to how Mr. Dursley tries to deal with this whole situation. But like you were saying in the first episode that 
Mr. Dursley's actually pretty smart, and he handles this the way, the best way he thinks that he can, you know? Like, he tries to think his way out of it. He tries to swerve the car in different directions. He's like, okay, I got where we're, I know where we're going. We're going somewhere uncharted, and I'm like, okay, you're trying to use logic in a magical situation it's not working but if this was a real if some real psycho was after you these are some good moves like in a zombie apocalypse i want vernon dursley on my team just kidding i don't Mm, want a child i don't know but i would like to take a a couple minutes to explore the slow insanity of vernon dursley during this chapter because i think it does ensue (laughs) hilarity if they can't deliver them They'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me, said Uncle Vernon, trying to knock in a nail with a piece of fruitcake Aunt Petunia had just brought him. Uncle Vernon stayed at home again. After burning all the letters, he got out a hammer and nails and boarded up the cracks around the front and back doors so no one could go out. He hummed tiptoe through the tulips as he worked and jumped at small noises. That does it, said Uncle Vernon, trying to speak calmly but pulling great tufts out of his moustache at the same time. I want you all back here in five minutes, ready to leave. We're going away. Just pack some clothes. No arguments. He looked so dangerous with half his moustache missing that no one dared argue. Every now and then Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turn and drive in the opposite direction for a while. Shake em off. Shake em off, he would mutter whenever he did this. He drove them into the middle of a forest, got out, looked around, shook his head, got back into the car, and off they went again. The same thing happened in the middle of a ploughed field, halfway across a suspension bridge, and at the top of a multi-level parking garage. Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Dudley asked Aunt Petunia dully later that afternoon. Yes, so that is the slow but steady demise of Vernon Dursley into insanity. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. (laughs) He and Taylor Swift. (laughs) Throw him off the trail. I love it. It's amazing. Um, But also, I love that this is... Well, I don't love it, but this is the first time that Dudley has ever heard the word no. One, about the bedroom, and then two, about bringing all of his stuff, like the computer and the TV. When he tries to, like, pack that huge television into his backpack, I'm like, how dumb could you possibly be, Dudley? Also, this is, like, the 90s. Like, TVs were heavy. Heavy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah, so Dudley, again, the worst. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) Could be my reading rat again. Who knows? Just kidding. He's not. Um, uh, next in my notes, I have a little section of 37, on page 37, where Harry says, it had my cupboard on it. Like, please, my cupboard. Please, somebody save me. Why is this precious angel so abused? It had my cupboard on it. Like, that's the only thing I have. It's my letter. 
I know, but like seriously, Harry, just open the letter in the hallway or when all of them are flying down, just don't grab pick one, one in the air. Grab one secretly. I don't know. It's He's, so... He definitely could have gotten one. I, I feel like I, I, I say that and every time I read this chapter, I think that, but then... I try to think of myself trying to get things when I was that age, like, and I was not sneaky. Like, he's like, okay, I set my alarm, I'm gonna sneak down, and this is another that thing was about pretty sneaky. Dudley being smart, I mean, Vernon being yeah. smart, like, him laying yeah. on he the- He knew what he Harry, knew was, what gonna Harry was gonna do. I was just like, ugh, too much for me. I love it. I love the whole Harry, Vernon dance, like, now, not, like- the abuse, but just, like, them trying to, like, go at odds with each other. Who's gonna, like, outsmart who? Yeah. My notes for here just are Vernon's no dummy is what I've written down. Yes. So. Um. I just said Vernon going crazy in general. (laughs) (laughs) Also, speaking of Dudley being the worst and his tantrum, the fact that he makes himself puke on the floor is disgusting. Especially since this is his like crying and stuff is supposed to be fake, allegedly from the yeah. last chapter. Like he hasn't really cried in ages, but that's a lot. Like that takes a lot. Well, he's also very piggy. So like, See, like in my head, it like, was right like he there. did it on purpose. I mean, probably like, not because he was so upset. And I'm just sitting here like you are 11 years old. Like I work with children. If any of my five year olds tried to puke on purpose in a tantrum. They would be straight to the office. So oh, I don't yeah. know what kind of 11-year-old you are, Dudley, but you need to get it together. This is just another, like, sad birthday for Harry. I mean, we've been, they've been referred to and we hear about them later. Like, even in the next book when he has friends, he still has a sad birthday. But we'll get to that. But he just, he just is, like, draw. is this in the movie or is this in the book where he's like drawing it? That's in the, in the movie. In the movie. But when he's still. drawing on the cake and his little And he candle. only knows it's his birthday because Dudley says like it's Monday. Yeah. Because no one else is going to remember his birthday that he knows of. Well he, well he says in the next chapter he's oh no it's this chapter at the end of this chapter he's like well got a couple more minutes i wonder if anyone's gonna remember uh (laughs) i know it's so sad that's so sad especially when you like juxtapose that to the last chapter where you see the big deal that dudley got as his birthday and it's 11 11 you kind of he understands the drill now he knows he's never gonna get that love but like we were saying, like, growing up, kids don't understand Yeah, they're... He just wants, like, something. Although they said he got, like, a hanger. He gets a hanger and, and socks. Uh, old socks, not even new yeah. socks. Stocks from Vernon Dursley. I think he'd prefer that than, like, nothing, though, because he just wants an acknowledgement, really. He doesn't care about, like, material things. He just wants the acknowledgement at That's... this point. At this yes. point. Which is also the saddest thing oh, I've ever definitely. heard. Like, a hanger should not make you happy. And I know that they're just trying to, like, show how happy he is at Hogwarts and they need to show how horrible it is at the Dursleys, but it's extreme. Like, it's it's almost a caricature of, like, this is not realistic, where I think that for the most part, even though it is, like, magical, the Harry Potter series has always been, like, based in reality, which is why I like it. Mm-hmm. But this is 
it's almost over the top. And I know it's the first book, and I mm-hmm. think the more that the books go along, it's more kind of based in that realism, and it's more serious topics. And this is almost, like, she's poking fun at it, and, mm-hmm. like, the way he's, like, been living, it's like, oh, he was living in a cupboard. But, it like, if you think about it too much, like, we are. Yeah, because... <laughs> it's really upsetting. It's, yeah, it's super upsetting. And, like you were saying, we have to build that suspense, I think she does an incredible job in this chapter and the next chapter, which is why I'm glad we read both of these together. Yeah. Because the suspense starts building when that when he gets that letter, because like we keep like you this whole chapter know. is we're deviating from the letter. Harry doesn't get the letter. We want the letter because we want to know. And it, yeah. Clearly, it's not our first time reading it. But if it's your first time reading it, and I just want to go back in time, and I wish Harry Potter is wasn't so popular. And you don't know that it's magic, right? Like, this is such good suspense, but, like, what is going on? What is this letter? What does it mean? What is this, like, giant man coming into the house? Right. It's just all such good... Because you get so close to it. Harry's so close to grabbing it when he's in, like, the tornado And he's, like, even opening it at the very beginning. Right. And then it keeps getting taken away from him. And I... I'm right there with, I feel like she does a really good job of putting the audience or readers right there with you. And I think we've talked about her being good at writing mystery Mm -hmm. because she she does it very well, like that subtle suspense where you just want to know that one little thing, like what is in the letter? And I mean, I don't want to skip to the next chapter, but just the next chapter almost has like a slight tone shift where it becomes hopeful like as soon as we'll talk about it yeah when we get there but I was reading it and I was just like it's so good did you have any other notes for this chapter I that was pretty much all my notes I think it was pretty I do think it's funny but I think it's pretty straightforward no I that's all my notes my last note says this chapter is amazing yeah I know I feel like we should have more to talk about but it is pretty short it's a short chapter and I think we've talked about what we loved about it did I, was there another Harry Sass moment I, in this chapter? He was going to wake up Dudley for fun. Oh, yeah. When it turned midnight. Which he does get woken up anyway, so. I just think Vernon is so funny. Even, like, when they get to the the shack and he's, like, could do with some of those letters now. <laughs> he's, like, in a good mood because he doesn't think anyone will find them. Yeah. Like, that in that way, Vernon is kind of dumb that he thinks he could outsmart magic. But I think I'm gonna talk about this more in the next chapter, but I think that goes to your theory that he really doesn't know that much about magic. And I think that's proven by how he tries to respond to magic. Is he doesn't understand, he doesn't know enough. Yeah. So I think that you're right in that way. And I, I have and Petunia, I want to talk about later. And Petunia says, I don't think that's gonna work. Yeah. Because she knows magic. She, knows. she understands it. And in that and quote, she's that scared you, by it, but she almost gives into it. Mm-hmm. In that quote that you pulled, she's like, "I, I don't think that'll work." Yeah, and it's very timid. It's very timid because she knows so much about it, and she just keeps all of that inside. But we'll hear a little bit more in the next in the chapter. next chapter. All right, well, let's wrap this one up so we can get to this. Next okay, chapter. yeah, because we seem boiling to talk about it. So um, let's start um, renaming the chapter. Or the... Yeah, let's read... Oh, yeah, we. I can. I have... I read... I did it this week. <laughs> All right, so I just... Mine's not, like, clever. I just thought... 
Owls was the name. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all. My name is The Missing Mustache. <laughs> Although, when we were doing it, I did think of another one. Please. Oh, it was just No Post on Sundays. No I Post think. on Sundays. No Post on Sundays. Um, yeah, I didn't really think of a clever one for that one. You want to do Chapter Champion in Reading Rat? Sure. <laughs> all right, you go first. Okay, my reading rat is the smelting stick. Just the stick. There's two sticks. He's two of them. At least in the movie, is two sticks. I think in this one, it's stick. Is it, or is it sticks? They said they also carried knobby sticks. Plural. There's oh my gosh. I can't. Like I, drumsticks, almost. I can't with the smelting sticks. Because they are such a large part of this chapter. Every time Dudley doesn't get his way, he's whacking his parents. He's whacking Aunt Petunia. He's whacking uh, Mrs. Fig's cats with his smelting sticks. He should have brought them to the to the shack for some entertainment. Uh, so my... I think he does bring them to the shack because well, he hits like Hagrid it. or something. No, he doesn't. I think he does. He does not hit Hagrid. The smelting sticks are He's brought up scared. in the next chapter. No, they're not. In my head, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the chapter champion is Harry Sass. Both, oh my gosh. Both of them are not so not necessarily people, but um, they deserve their awards. So I was thinking more generic. I guess we've kind of swapped. So for reading Red, I did pick Dudley this time uh, because he's just such a brat in this chapter, especially like worrying about not having his second bedroom for broken objects, which that kind of makes me think it's like a a small reference to the room of requirement later, mm-hmm. like a room of broken objects. Yeah. Her description is very similar. And then for the chapter champion, I was torn because I, I was thinking whoever's sending the letters, which I'm assuming is McGonagall, mm-hmm. that um, I think that they're being very clever and, like, just really getting under the Dursley's skin. But I also wanted to give it to Vernon because I think his insanity is such so great to, to read in this chapter. Yes. And again, not because I like him. I'm just going to, like, bring up that this is, the second time you've had Vernon as your chapter champion. Okay, well, reconsider this is, your life. This is a tie, and I also have said that I my chapter champion goes to what makes the chapter interesting, not who's necessarily a great person, but a great character. Yeah, and I think there's a distinction there. <laughs> okay, uh, so shall we move on? We shall. Chapter four: The Keeper of the Keys. So this is the chapter where we really get all the things we wanted to know. I mean, so I think that this chapter does such a good job of, one, answering all of our questions about what's in the letter and all that stuff, but it also raises more questions than it answers because now you know what that Harry's a wizard, but there's so many questions about Hogwarts and, and what who Hagrid is and all of the stuff that he's like bringing up and Voldemort and all of this stuff. I just think it's so great that it just keeps you wanting to read, which is what I love about the Harry Potter books. I think it's demonstrated very well in this chapter. Yes. I think this chapter does such a great job of, like I said before, setting up Hagrid. He has basically his own language. I took 
n- notes, like, right. on things that he says, like, galloping gargons or gulping gargoyles, like, right. and his whole, and um, we'll talk about this like later. cadence, almost. Yeah, and his defense of... Budge up your great prune. <laughs> his defense of Dumbledore cool. and just his entrance when he barges through the door and he's like, can I have a cup of tea or something stronger if you have it? It's just such a deviation from what you expect. Right. From this, like, giant of a person. Right. Which is Hagrid's whole character. He's the opposite of what you would expect. He's super emotional. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Exactly. I, yeah, I love it. I think that it's kind of funny that they don't seem as alarmed by how large he is. Like, I know they keep referring to him as, like, a giant all that, but... Giant of a man. Vernon, like, doesn't seem to care that he's twice the size of him. And, like, Harry is confused and stuff, but they they don't seem as concerned about how large he is. Like, that... I wouldn't be able to get over that if I met Hagrid randomly in a shack. Yeah, they're like, yeah, so what? And you're like, no. No, no, like, no. Like, they're Ask taking it questions. way too much in stride. Yeah, he, he's like, I've got my shotgun. Excuse me. Oh, no, rifle. Is it a... Uh, yeah, I think it's a shotgun. Shotgun. I'm just sitting here like, first of all, why are you carrying around a shotgun? He bought him? it specifically. <laughs> but, like, out of all the Fight guns... Fight or flight. The shotgun? That was it's the choice. Britain. Who knows what kind of guns they can get their hands on. <laughs> so, Hagrid. We get a lot on him in this chapter. One thing is his cooking, which I must say is pretty inconsistent throughout the book. Is, is he a good cook or no? Because he bakes his birthday cake, but then we get introduced later to rock, rock cakes, cakes, which sound awful, and like some other stuff that he makes that doesn't sound good, so I'm I'm not sure. To be fair, this could be like Harry's only cake ever. Right, so, so it's really good. It could be tasty, and then when he has Hogwarts, like, not, it could be really nasty, but then when he has Hogwarts food, he's like, oh, this is what food's supposed to taste like? Never mind, Hagrid, your food is terrible. Sorcerer's Stone is Harry having the most sweets he's ever had in his whole life. Yeah. Starting with vanishing well, glass. Those lemon, <laughs> yeah. lemon tarts. And then wait till plat- uh, the journey from platform nine and three quarters, because he's about to chow down. Well, I can't wait for platform nine and three quarters. I know. We could, so many characters. Um, also, I think something that's inconsistent, which I think is on purpose, is Hagrid's magical ability. Because at first it's like, oh, he's like starting fires and he's mm-hmm. like doing all this stuff. But then like, he's also not supposed to be very good at magic because he is a, well, one, he has a broken wand and two, because he never finished school. So it's very inconsistent. I think it is consistent, but our idea of what is powerful is skewed because we're, like we were saying in the Fantastic Beasts podcast, we spend so much of the Harry Potter series with people who are learning to do magic. Like, right. Incendio was a spell they learn in, like, year two or three. Right. So, like, the fact that Hagrid can start a fire is pretty basic magic. But then in the sixth book, which I know this is jumping ahead a lot, he, like, doesn't remember Aguamente or whatever that spell is, the water one. That's true. But I think it's inconsistent on purpose. Like, it's... One, because he's dealing with a broken wand, so, like, that's inconsistent. And then also his schooling has been inconsistent because he's probably picked things up in passing and only got three full years. I don't even know, like, two and a half years of schooling. And we see how much Ron and Harry pick up in that time, (laughs) which is nothing. The only spells they use, they learn from Hermione. Expelliarmus. 
Yeah. Thanks, Lockhart. And uh, Expecto Patrona. And Alohomora. Alohomora. <laughs> well, Expecto Patrona. Tr- Petrificus Totalis. Yes, they love that one. <laughs> yes, so I just think that that's interesting. Um, just his magical ability. And what you were saying about Dumbledore in the last chapter, about um, he had to have known that he was in the cupboard. He had to have known that Harry didn't know about magic. If he was, like, keeping tabs on him, like he says he was, and he says it even in the fifth book, he's like, I've been watching you more closely than anyone else. Well, no shit, but you should have known that he didn't know that he was a wizard, which maybe he did and didn't tell Hagrid, which was dumb, because then Hagrid's like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, that just seems really off that... But, you know, Dumbledore also is the king of not telling people information they should probably know. Yeah, like, did he tell, not tell Hagrid on purpose? Well, you know, he likes to not tell you things so you learn a lesson. Dumbledore. Ugh. Well, I, I, I hate hating on Dumbledore because I love him, but I also have so many problems with him. I, I mean, like, I love Dumbledore. Like, I would love, like, a favorite teacher. And also, like, he annoys me. Yes. Like, if I met Dumbledore as a person and he spoke to me in riddles that I'm supposed to figure out, like, if it was about my life, I would feel like I would want to punch him at all times. Like, he's like, Harry, think about it. And I'm like, we are literally in a life or death situation. This is not a teachable moment. It's like in the Star Wars series, which I just recently watched, like, last year. Yoda, who I always thought was, like, this beloved character, is kind of a dick in the movies, and he doesn't help at all. He's talking in riddles and, like, makes fun of Luke the whole time and, like, doesn't like him. I know (laughs) something you don't know. Exactly, and that's not... Like, I think Yoda is much more extreme, but I sometimes I get that vibe from Dumbledore. It's like you respect him but you don't always like him it's like you love him but you don't like him sometimes and sometimes it's necessary i mean we're not even we shouldn't even be talking about this i know but jumping with but sometimes it's necessary because if harry didn't have that riddle solving capability then the horcrux hunt would be much more difficult for him like he's training him for this thing but i i think the one big piece of missing information was you should have just told Harry what this thing was from the beginning so that you could really train him and it wasn't this big to-do when it happened and he was so unprepared. But he loved him and didn't want to ruin his little remaining life. That was his argument. Well, it's a terrible argument. I'm just saying. I'm just just (laughs) saying that maybe we could have figured out a better way to have preserved his life. If we knew what was coming from the beginning. But it's fine. I understand. Dumbledore's only human. For the greater good. Oof. Let me do a beautiful segue here. Instead of talking about what Dumbledore doesn't tell people, let's talk about what Harry doesn't know. Because I think this is a really funny quote. Do you mean to tell me, he growled at the Dursleys, that this boy, this boy knows nothing about, about anything? Harry thought this was going a bit far. He had been to school after all, and his marks weren't bad. I know some things, he said. I can, you know, do math and stuff. 
I just think that's so funny. He's so, like, defensive that he's, like, good at school, which we learned that Harry's not good at school, even though he's learning about fucking magic and still doesn't <laughs> do his I homework. Maybe he does his homework because it's all he has to do. He doesn't have friends in the muggle True. world, so he's like, I guess I'll learn math. And then he gets to Hogwarts and he's like, I finally have friends. Psh, I'm and not I've doing- got to, like, defeat Voldemort and stuff. So I'm just not going to study. Okay. Yeah, I think that's just funny, him being, like, outraged. Well, not outraged, but indignant that Hagrid's assuming he doesn't know anything. I could do math. Which is more than I can say for the other kids that go to Hogwarts. So True. good point, Harry. Yeah. Okay, so let's backpedal really quick. I know that we moved on from the letters chapter, but I forgot that this came at the end of letters and not at the beginning of chapter four. It's when Harry is counting down to his birthday, but you're also counting down to the big reveal of Hagrid, and I think right. it's really well done. Five minutes to go. Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in, although he might be warmer if he if it did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house in Private Drive would be so full of letters when they got back that he'd be able to steal one somehow. Three minutes to go. Was that the sea? Slapping hard on the rock like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go, and he'd be eleven. Thirty seconds. Twenty. Ten. Nine. Maybe he'd wake Dudley up just to annoy him. Three, two, one, boom. The whole shack shivered, and Harry sat bolt upright, staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come in. And clearly he's counting down for his 11th birthday, which is the start of the whole series, and he's also counting down to the changing his life and the start of... This is like where the story starts. This I is his know, inciting I incident, it. and it's such a good, it's such good writing. That's all I had to say. Sorry, we can go back to our discussion about chapter four, but I love that. I love it so much. Um, well, getting to him actually receiving his letter, Hagrid gives it to him to read, and personally, I wouldn't be able to read shit if I'm that nervous. I would be like, do you ever get that? When you're really nervous and someone asks you to, like, read something and you're kind of, like, shaky and you can't even focus on the text to read it. Uh, I know you have to do auditions and stuff, so I'm sure that happens sometimes. And I honestly get so in my head that I'm like, I'm not taking in any of this. I'm not taking in any of this. But I also think this is a special circumstance. One, because he's been waiting to read this letter. Desperate. For yeah. days. Days? Is it a day? I don't know. I think know. a couple of days. And. Since the first letter came. And two, because this giant came into your house and he knows something about you. And you're like, okay, this will explain it. This letter means so much to me and who I am as a person. So I just, I personally, I think, would be so nervous. I wouldn't, why, I would be able to read it, but I wouldn't be able to take it all in. Which he actually does say he didn't even notice the second piece of paper. Right. What? yeah, I wouldn't be able to take everything in, but I would be so desperate, I think, at that point to read it that And it is actually pretty short, so... Um, I guess he can, like, reread it a couple times. I, I also like that Hagrid just knows that Harry's gonna be a great wizard. 
It's like, well, your mom and dad were, so you have to be great. Well, it's because Hagrid just loves know, him so much I already. I love it. Uh, one thing that I think is an error is that, and it might just be Hagrid uh, exaggerating that Harry's parents, but he says both head boy and girl of their day which we know oh. that James Potter was not head boy. Yeah, it was Lupin. It was Lupin and Lily. Well, Lupin was at least prefect. I don't even oh, know. Oh, prefect. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, even yeah. know if he was head boy. Lily, I would believe, was head girl. They don't ever say it, but I just... Oh, yeah, James wasn't... I mean, we don't know that James wasn't head boy. Well, you have to be a prefect to be head boy. Do you? Yeah, you... Two prefects get chosen for head boy and girl. Oh, well, then, yeah. So yeah, it can't, exactly. It can't be... Uh, and like I said, they never say if Lily's a prefect or a head girl, but that makes no, more sense. No, Lily is a prefect, isn't she? Is I think, I think that is confirmed. I mean, maybe it came out after, but I don't think it ever says it in the books that she was. It definitely says Lupin is. Yeah, I know Lupin was because he's supposed to like Take, make them behave yeah. and stuff. Um, Why it's not I... a huge thing. I think it's also just Hagrid being like they're amazing and I loved them, which yeah. is sweet. Um, I just did notice that. Uh... I also love that this starts Harry's hero worship of his father. Yes, and it that made me sad when I was reading this chapter because I was just like, "Wow, this is gonna be this starts this rude awakening that's right. gonna happen where his parents or or his dad Lily's a perfect little angel, but." <laughs> That James wasn't who everybody thought he was. Or right. he, at, or at least, least when he was in school. At, at school. I like to believe that James was a good person, like, seventh year on. So do I. And I also, I have it on good authority that I, that Lily would not fall for him if he didn't get his act together. Right. And that good authority is just my love for Lily. I was gonna say, is that, uh, J.K. Rowling, did you speak with her? Yeah, we had many discussions about how much I love Lily as a character, so. I just wish we have more on Lily. I, I know we get some flashbacks, but I want, I, we get a lot more on James, and, like, because we hear about James' friends. Yeah. But who were Lily's friends? I know she was friends with James's, but. She was friends with Severus for a little while but Until, after like, like year the five. fifth book yeah or the fifth their fifth year and she mentions one girl someone said you would be out here all night if I didn't come out or something like this some yeah girl. we don't get uh we don't get Lily's friends although the I don't read Marauder's fan fiction I haven't gotten into I haven't like gotten that's not a word I haven't pushed myself into that world yet um gone into yeah I haven't gone into that world yet but the they definitely create Lily with this one friend I can't I don't know what her name it's is. it's probably the same girl I'm thinking of yeah but it's a serious like they have a whole crew crew like that Marauders fan fiction realm is a whole nother world so I, I haven't really dived into there or um I've dabbled in next gen but um marauders is a whole different beast yeah. i think i'd be more interested in that like i like all the past stuff which is one of the reasons why i really liked fantastic beast because i like all the prequel stuff because i'm i'm happy with where the original series ended i didn't need cursed child i was happy with how it ended and i would rather have more background on how we got to where we are in 1997 or whenever um, for me personally, that's how so I see we'll it. So maybe we'll read a Marauder's fic. 
for your for your for my prequel love yeah we'll see uh, full disclosure: I am not much of a fan fiction reader or writer. That's Although more she Alex's did, department, she did beta my first ever fan fiction True. that I wrote, which was about George and Angelina. I like to give my input and my opinion, which is why I like doing this podcast. <laughs> I can just give my input and opinion. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've deviated so much. Okay, back on track. Another great thing about Hagrid in this chapter that I we talked about this a little bit in the first chapter about how um Harry loses uh his I guess wanderlust at Hagrid over right. the years but um another reason he instantly bonds with Hagrid is Hagrid is the first person and we were just talking about this that talks about his parents in a good light true who speaks to Harry about his parents and what really happens to him and I think there's just no way that he couldn't be friends with Hagrid forever after that. You know what I'm saying? It's right. And I, I think it's... And he remembers his birthday. And yes. There's so much that makes Hagrid so likable in this chapter. Like, he... Like, we we both said he's the first person to bring him into the world that he comes to, like, love, and it's his home. Like, if without Hagrid... I mean, obviously, he would have gotten there eventually, but Hagrid's his keyhole into that world. Yes. And another little tidbit, when Hagrid is going on his rant about the war and everything and about how many people had died in the war, he mentions the Pruitts, which is, like, Molly's Molly Weasley's family. And I just like that little tidbit, and it makes me sad because I feel like Molly loses so much. True. Uh, I also like that he's the first person that defends Harry or defends against the Dursleys in general. He's the first person Harry sees stand up to the Dursleys, which is so lovely. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about Petunia and Lily. That is something that we get is Petunia's like rant uh, during this chapter, which I think is so fascinating. I love the Petunia rant. Let's have a go. New? shrieked Aunt Petunia suddenly. Knew? Of course we knew. How could you not be? My dratted sister being what she was. Oh, she got a letter just like that and disappeared off to that, that school and came home every vacation with her pockets full of frog spawn, turning teacups into rats. I was the only one who saw her for what she was, a freak. But for my mother and father, oh no, it was Lily this and Lily that. They were proud of having a witch in the family. She stopped to draw a deep breath and then went ranting on. It seemed she'd been wanting to say all this for years. Then she met that Potter at school, and they left and got married and had you. And of course I knew you'd be just the same, just as strange, just as, as abnormal. And then, if you please, she went and got herself blown up and we got landed with you. Yeah, so Petunia just goes off. And I love it because I think just... If you take what you know of book seven and you bring it into this, it's such self-hate. Like, it's such a long time coming for her. I feel I feel bad that she's, like, oppressed this for so long. Yeah, like, they were so proud to have a witch in the family. Like, I... And it's sad because it's not, like, something where Petunia could have worked harder. Like, 
Lily isn't better at school than Petunia because right. she studies just more. It's she's just born. she's born better in that way, and I feel really sad for Petunia. Like, it doesn't excuse, like you said in the first episode. Right. It doesn't excuse what she does, but I feel so bad for her. And then she has to raise this child who she knows, like when she says, and I knew you'd be the same, just as strange, just as that normal. Who has I knew her you'd eyes. Have, like, he has her eyes. He has her eyes, but he also has magic. Like, she has right. to raise this child who has, like, the one thing that she wants more than anything, and it's it's... It reminds me of when I try to go on my Snape defense rant, rants, which aren't, like, same with Petunia, doesn't excuse the way he treats them. Right. But I just feel bad that he also is charged with defending this child that represents everything that he right. hates. I just think, I don't, I can't imagine how difficult it is for Petunia to, to look at Harry. And I think... Just his eyes alone, like, just create this animosity in her. And she never, ever speaks about his eyes being the same as Lily's. But you know that it's just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I would just love to explore Petunia and get more on Petunia. And, I mean, I, we do get a lot, actually. But I just, I think it's so interesting. Like, Makes her I, just such a complicated character. Yeah, and I also think, in my head, I think Petunia, especially with her last interaction with Harry, she does feel bad about her relationship with Lily. You think? I think so. I mean, I think that she loves, loved her at some point. Because they were close before when they were, when they were little. Uh, I know... <laughs> And I think it's hard for her because she's the older sister, and she has to watch her younger sister be, like, adored and things like that. So I can imagine that's difficult. I know for me personally, (laughs) my sister has beautiful red hair, and I've always been jealous of that because she was born with it. It was just, she always had this beautiful hair. Molly did dye her hair red once. Yes, I did, because I was trying to be either, like, Molly Weasley or, like, my sister. Um, Good one. I would like to say, for my sister's credit, that she was the one that encouraged me and Alex to start this podcast. So, just a little shout-out to Colleen with the red hair. Colleen Wilson. Yes. Uh, so, I just, I in a different way, a much smaller way, I was very jealous of my sister for, she was born that way, and she always got compliments on her hair, and I had boring brown hair. It also doesn't help. Um, clearly, you don't know what Molly's sister looks like, but they look very similar. So a distinguishing yes. difference is that um, Colleen has red, red hair, hair and Molly has brown hair. But let's move on from my <laughs> own traumatic. We got very personal in this life. chapter four. It just brings up all of these homey feels. I, oh, I also, Hagrid's the first person of the series to say your eyes, they're just like your mother's, and uh, you look just like your dad. Yes. Which yes. clearly comes back a lot. Yes, quite a lot. Which Harry actually gets very annoyed He's with annoyed it after with it a while. He's like, Ugh, okay. I know, I, I have it. my mother's eyes. I get it. <laughs> uh, I think he actually really only gets annoyed with Slughorn because he doesn't like Slughorn. Uh, just a couple more notes for me. Um, one thing that I, I keep bringing up comparisons to the movie, but I think that's because the, the first movie in particular, I think does such a great job. I liked how in the movie they waited to do the whole Voldemort story until later. Like, I don't like how Hagrid tells it in front of the Dursley. So he has to listen to, uh, 
Hagrid describe his parents' death, which is really traumatic, uh, for the first time in front of the Dursleys, and then after Vernon's like, Psh, whatever, they had it coming. And I think that I like how in the movie it's just him and Hagrid, and Hagrid's like doing the, the whole flashback thing, which is really good. Um, so I, I like how the movie does that in a different spot in the story. Yeah, I liked... I like it in both places. I do, I think it's almost more realistic that he gets told this here because I think Hagrid is so, Hagrid is a Gryffindor. Like he gets, he does things impulsively and I think he's so shocked at how Harry's been treated and he's like, and Hagrid who also had a mother that, not that died, but like that left him and a, and a dad that died when he was young he's like he this is the first thing that i would want to know how could you not tell yes. him this so i think from that standpoint it makes sense that hagrid's like you need to know that your parents were heroes and they didn't just die in a car crash like he's so insulted that's true we get the whole uh you knew and then he's like a car crash like that mm-hmm. whole thing um I think that is a really important part, but just for the intimacy of that story, I think is kind of hard to for that to be heard in front of the Dursleys, who don't have the same... It doesn't resonate with them the same way it resonates with Harry. Yeah. But I think it's also... He doesn't even care about the Dursleys. He's, like, so much focused on what he's feeling at that time that he probably doesn't care as much. Yeah. And then we talked about his defense of Dumbledore, which is... Like we were saying, she knows she's working 40 steps ahead, J.K. Rowling. Like, Hagrid was saved by Dumbledore, so Hagrid has such a strong pride for that man. It's like, you will never insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. And we really get to know more about Dumbledore by how other people describe him. And although we do meet Dumbledore in that very first chapter, we don't know anything about him. We learn the most about Dumbledore from other people rather than interactions with Dumbledore. Like, you hear how Ron is, like, he's a nutter, but he's Mm -hmm. amazing. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. And how Hagrid talks about him. How all these people refer to Dumbledore, even McGonagall. I think that shows you more of the person he is than, like, the interactions that Harry has with him. Which I think is really interesting because it brings up this thing that jk rowling does a lot which is the mythos of people like how are you remembered and it's a lot of dumbledore and james are both held to these high pedestals by the people that knew them and so when dumbledore dies it happens in that in book seven when they're when everybody's talking about oh dumbledore was this great person and then the veil is sort of removed with this grindelwald story and nobody really can believe it because all of these people have heard all these these stories because he's done all these great things and and similarly like james ends up being a great person but when harry finds that out he's so torn he's so hurt right uh you can't ever live up to your reputation, I feel like. If you're held to that such a high esteem, mm-hmm. like, you're never going to be able to meet those standards. And I think Dumbledore knew that and hated that about himself, which is, I think, partly why he never wanted to be minister, which I know he's afraid of the power, but I think he also did have self-hate for how Oh, he... I think Dumbledore has a lot of self-hate. Yeah, exactly. And, and, when and he... not just for the whole sister thing, I think for how he treated oh. Harry and all of that. Oh, he oh, so much in that 
he has so much self-hate for how he treated Harry. Which and makes him so th- sympathetic. I'm like, I want to be mad at you. And ha- and Harry's like, I want to be mad at you. But I can't be. <laughs> um, And, like, when McGonagall, even when he, Dumbledore gets compliments, like, when McGonagall in chapter one is, like, says a wonderful thing. He says She says something about Dumbledore that, mm-hmm. like, she respects him or something like that. And Dumbledore's like, I haven't blushed so much oh, since yeah. uh, Madame Pomfrey complimented uh, too, my earmuffs. She says that uh, you're too noble to use them, the powers. Yeah, but yeah. You, he, like, jokes it, he, j- he plays, plays it, it off it the off. same way he plays off what he sees in the mirror of Erised. Right. With Harry, he, like, takes on this, like, oh, I'm a goofy old man persona when he is feeling cover uncomfortable. Up. I've figured you out dumbledore i know your tricks all right podcast over we have dumbledore figured out (laughs) done uh another thing alex had figured out that i was just alluding to in the last chapter was how vernon really doesn't know that much about wizards and i think that is shown in this little quote now you listen here boy he snarled. I accept there's something strange about you. Probably nothing a good beating wouldn't have cured. <laughs> and as for all this about your parents, well, they were weirdos, no denying it. And the world's better off without them, in my opinion. Ask for all they got, getting mixed up with these wizarding types. Just what I expected. Always knew they'd come to a sticky end. Yeah, I think... With what he's saying, which is horrible, it's also showcasing that he doesn't understand it. He, It's kind of that whole argument of whether you're born a certain way or you're choosing that life. And I think Vernon sees it like, oh, they're choosing to, to be wizards and they're choosing to get to get uh, mixed up with all of that when they're born that way. It reminds me a lot of homophobia. That's exactly honestly. what I was... You're alluding to yeah, it, exactly. and I'm just like, well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't... Homophobia. <laughs> I wasn't, like, hiding that fact, but I was just being very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Ravenclaw, Gryffindor. But, yeah, I think I think he, he sees it very much like, you have a choice, we could have stamped it out of you, but you chose this, which yeah. isn't true. And also, he makes it seem like it's a bad thing if you choose it, which is, again, wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's really sad because it feels a lot, like, I can't, I can never tell, and I always try to figure this out when I read it, if his hate stems from how much, and this just goes back to what we were saying about how they have a great marriage, and how I think he really does love Petunia, and I don't know if he exacerbates his hate because he knows how upset and how much it hurts Petunia, and I feel like that's what drives him. In my head, that's what drives him. Because in the first chapter, when you hear it from his perspective, he, like, doesn't want to bring it up because he knows it upsets Petunia. And I know that they don't talk about it, but he knows how much it bothers her. So I think that is... And I'm sure... Out of kindness. Petunia is the person that introduces him to this whole magic in the first place. Right. So it's like my mom... Like, Hagrid introduced Harry, and it's beautiful and good. Petunia introduced Vernon, and it's hateful and It's hateful, and it's filled with resentment and yeah it's just exactly it's a it's oiling well which is not a phrase um what other notes did you have i think i only had one more those are pretty much all my notes my last chapter my last note was really on deadly and how 
he's constantly compared to a pig and then he actually almost gets turned into a pig and i just thought obviously dudley's patronus would be a pig and if he was ever an animagus it would be a pig well most definitely i also love this pig transformation because later you find this out that they had to go to doctors to get it removed because Hagrid never removes this and i'm like that's so embarrassing that's also really bad for the wizarding world to let that go and just traumatizing for yeah. Dudley. Like, not that I'm taking Dudley's side on anything, but if I had a pig's tail growing from my gluteus maximus, I would be the most bitter about magic. Like, he gets, has this happen to him, and then his tongue engorges, and then he gets a Dementor attack. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here like... But he doesn't resent Harry at the end. You're not a waste of space, Harry. Uh, stop but i i yeah i don't blame him for being cautious of wizards and i can't wait to talk about it in the fourth book because it is so funny yes he's like covering his bottom okay so let's name our rename our chapter which i tried to come up with something more clever for this chapter and i called it deliverance from wizardry Okay, Molly. Like, deliverance from evil, Yes. But, like, he's getting the wizardness delivered to him. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was clever. It is. Uh, points to Ravenclaw. Uh, mine is magic maths and stuff. Oh my gosh, I love it. I thought you were going to say magic is might, and I was like, boo. <laughs> no. No. Magic maths and stuff. Love it. Uh, that also sounds like something J.K. Rowling would have... It's all that fan fiction I read. (laughs) It prepares me. Uh, And so our reading rat, I I actually went with Petunia for reading rat. So did I. Because I think that her little meltdown, although I think on her end is warranted, I think that she's... The worst. Yeah. The absolute worst. Yes. Yep. And is ruining this moment for Harry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You had one job, Petunia. And you failed that, so let him have this, okay? And I had to go with Hagrid for the champion. Same. How could you not with this chapter? I know. It's so conventional, but, but he there's, deserves there's it. there's no other. I mean, you could make it studious Harry, who does fine in school. I've actually been trying to avoid using Harry because he could really be the chapter champion of most chapters, so I've mm-hmm. been trying to, like, not pick Harry. I'm sure eventually I will. I actually haven't felt an impetus to use him I yet, think... except for his sass, which I... <laughs> right. I think Vanishing Glass is the one I would have picked him for. Oh, yeah. Because it's, like, very Harry-centric. I mean, obviously most chapters are, but In Harry that Potter? one particular... I'm so good <laughs> So last week and the past couple weeks, we've been doing a lot of quizzes for our sort of special game that we do at the end of each episode. And this week, since we did letters, we decided it would be funny to see, to imagine what kind of letter it would have been if it wasn't a letter inviting him to join Hogwarts. So we've each written a sad letter and a funny letter about what it could have possibly been. Uh, yeah, so my two letters, I'll just say up front, it's still as if he was in the wizarding world. I kept it, like, in theme for wizardry. I don't know if you did the same thing. My letters are both short, because I went conceptual instead of actual letters, which is good, because I think you did actual letters. Yes. Um, one is as if it's the wizarding world, and 
one is not. <laughs> okay, so what do you want to read first? Should we do our funny ones first? Oh, sure. Uh, or should we end on a funnier note? Let's end on a funnier note, actually. Let's okay. start with our sad ones. Okay. A dramatic, a dramatic reading. Please, sure. <clears throat> should I do mine first? Yes. <laughs> okay. Mr. H. Potter, I'd hoped to be able to tell you myself, but if you're reading this, it means I'm not there to wish you a very happy birthday. After all, 11 is a very important age. It was the age my whole world changed. I met one of my best friends. I went to an amazing school where I learned things I'd never imagined. I am so sad that I'm not there, but never forget that you are loved and you are bound for greatness. Forever yours, Mum. Stop it! I'm gonna seriously I cry. almost got choked up reading that. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I just thought Why it was so beautiful. Should I not include it? Nope. Is it too much? <laughs> to let you know, Molly is considering not including this in the podcast, and I think it should because it's well written and that's making me very emotional. We've had some wine. <laughs> I am not including it. <laughs> Please do. Okay, we'll see. Okay, um, my sad one is not as sad. Mine's more sentimental. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, mine are both conceptual, so it's, you'll see. I've written a little snippet. When Harry finally got his hand on the letter, he opened it to find a folded piece of parchment with nothing but a large muddy paw print at the center. Oh my gosh, I love that. That is so precious. I love that so much. Oh Why my are we getting gosh. so emotional? I know, we should have just Is done funny. We should have just done funny. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love how you, like, incorporate it as if you it was in the book, too. Thanks. Well, I didn't know how. I, it, was a, it was a print. I don't know. That would have felt not right. Uh, so let's, let's perk up a little bit, shall we? Um, so my funny letter, this is shorter than the other one. So... Mr. H. Potter, I'm happy to inform you that you have been put on Witch Weekly's 20 Witches and Wizards Under 20. You are number four on our list. We do implore you to respond at once and RSVP to our gala event. We await your owl, Celeste Salzman, which is a name I made up for this letter. I really love your funny letter. Your letters are so on point. I was trying to imagine that they were so intent on him RSVPing to this gala. <laughs> That they had to send all of these owls. <laughs> they were like, we need every single one. And also, I just wanted to not make him number one. He's number four. Number 20 under 20 from defeating Voldemort. <laughs> Don't know who one through three are, but... <laughs> Lucy probably, is Probably, like, Blaze Zabini. No, it's 20 under 20. They all have to be, like, kids. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So, yes, Blaze. Please invite Blaze everywhere. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so that's my funny letter. My funny letter. At first, I had two ideas. My first idea was I was going to write a letter from Ginny, which I'm now regretting that I should have done. Like, a fan letter from Ginny. Oh, that's funny. But then I was like, she doesn't really know him, so it didn't really They work. all know his name, though. So, um, 
my uh, second idea was a Green Gots, like a wizarding, the wizarding bank trying to get a hold of him because his like money. Money is your interest has grown. Yeah, I didn't write the letter, Gryffindor, but um, <laughs> that was my idea. It's like a concept that Green Gots is like, look, Potter, you haven't checked on your money in eleven years, please. I think we had a similar idea, though, for the funny, like, it's just some random, like, organization trying to get a hold of him. Yeah. Um, and pelting him with owls. Uh, yeah, so that was fun and a little sad. A little too sad. I love it, but... Uh, next week, we will be doing Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. This is a really hard, um chapter you have to um to get the password you have to tell us the name of the pub that leads harry into the wizarding world yeah we've been worried that not everyone's been able to tune in so we had to make the password easy super easy so remember the pub hagrid takes harry to he may or may not meet a professor quirrell there you just figure it out okay it's really difficult uh, so, tune in next time on Potter, Potter Watch. Watch. This has been Alex. And Molly. Longtime fans, longtime friends. Bum, bum, ba, bum, 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 bum.